we obviously have clients that come in with 40, 50, 60, 80 grand to, to start. The more you spend, the probably the better discount it's going to be on the product, the higher margin. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. And if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls. Welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. So today is a slight tweak on that because what we're doing today is we're talking to Will Baster from Ascend Cap Ventures. And they actually build and run Amazon businesses for you. So this is for a slightly different person. Maybe if you've got some money, but you haven't got the expertise and you've been thinking about creating an Amazon business, this could be very interesting for you. But if you're already selling on Amazon or considering it, then I think there's going to be lots of value from this for you as well. So Will, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for, ha thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So where are you coming to us from today in your life? I'm in Miami, Florida at the moment. Miami, yeah. Florida. I love it. Like there's a Miami, England. <laughs> Americans always do that. <laughs> Miami, right. yeah, I guess, uh, you know, maybe some people don't know where Miami is, but so tell us a bit more about this. So you build and run Amazon businesses for people. Tell us a little bit more specifically, you know, why you're, you're doing this, who you do this for. Yeah, we, we turn it into, I mean, our, our, our clients of all different backgrounds, some of them, you know, have been established on Amazon and they're just, they have hit a ceiling with their time and they're looking for an expert in the space that has a logistics background and an Amazon management background that can take their business to the next level and really scale it without taking more time out of their day. And there's also the people that are looking to just add another passive income stream to their portfolio or diversify out of real estate or whatever it may be. And they come with us, come with us with capital. And then we handle everything from A to Z from sourcing the products, managing the store, and then generating profit. And then it's performance-based. So we share in the profits that we generate for the client and there's multiple tiers and so. Excellent. So, and by the way, profit share rather than revenue share, is that right? That's quite a different. Yeah, it's true, true net profit. So what is your net profit that month that we had generated for you? And we take a small percentage of that after the upfront, that's our only fees for managing it through the term of working with us. Interesting. And that's quite a different model already from the Amazon traditional Am Amazon management agency, which would take a percentage of revenue plus fees. So it's, it's a different structure. I guess that's interesting. Yeah. So, so I guess just to cover, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the, the main topic today is how much capital do you need to start or scale, which are two different yep. things around a sort of totally. custom product business. But I think that's a really important question. 
uh, because that comes up all the time from it has for years in all the coaching I've been doing with with people starting businesses up from scratch yeah. from no experience all the way through to people doing seven figures in an existing type of business so before we get into that let me just check what you what we're discussing here so are we talking about branded products rather than reselling businesses is that it's it's a, it's a mix so we we run a hybrid model so we do direct from manufacturer wholesale and and you know direct supplier wholesale meaning there's less suppliers in the in the supply chain which means the margins are higher because we have direct licensing and contacts and then we also develop products with our manufacturer contacts throughout asia and latin america that that's generally an augmented add-on to the actual business the the heart of the business is generally a wholesale fba model so buying large quantities at discounts and and being licensed to sell that those products that are already branded okay interesting so I guess that that really we're talking about the the main thing of how much capital do I need is is always an excellent yeah. question. Now, without being you know accountants or yeah. playing that on the net, generally I guess the business model that we've just plunged into here is, is going to affect that a lot, isn't it? So tell me a bit about that because that is a question that comes up a lot with people. Yeah, who are sometimes are quite sophisticated business people, but they don't know anything about Amazon. Yeah, but even sometimes yeah. people who've been selling on Amazon for a few years don't really know the other models out there. So how would you say? Yeah those direct from manufacture wholesale develop your products just first of all let's just describe each business model a little bit more with your experience yeah. of it you're running on yeah yeah, yeah. so the i'd say 90 percent of our businesses that we start are all starting with wholesale right because that's really we have a large network for a decade of building out these relationships particularly internationally on the wholesale front and so when clients invest with us they are automatically under our umbrella so we can get them into these these opportunities at lower MOQs than they normally would given our relationship. Um, if someone outside came in, it might be a higher MOQ, minimum order quantity, that means. And that being said, there's also the ability to to essentially, you know, if we have, you know, we just put an order in the other day for about $408,000. It was the MOQ from a, a toy company. But we didn't just put that on for one client. We actually got multiple SKUs out of that and pulled together multiple clients are willing to spend between twenty dollars and $35,000 and still get that volume discount. So we actually pull our investors together on large deals like that. At the same time, we have opportunities for low MOQs. And that's that's really where the benefit is on the wholesale side for us. The infrastructure fee, the one-time fee that goes to us, starts at $25,000 for us to handle everything. We do do custom options. If you have an aged business and it's currently running and generating, et cetera, we, we do custom plans for that. But this is someone starting from scratch, anywhere from twenty five. All the way upwards of $98,000 for one business with us. And there's a lot of different add ons to that. And I can dive into that a little bit later, but that's an infrastructure fee. And the easiest way to conceptualize that would be sort of like a franchising cost in a way. We've been doing this for years and years and years. We have four warehouse facilities throughout the US, you know, hundreds of employees and are extremely established, right? And so that's, that's your initial cost to get in with us and have us work on things. And then working capital, a minimum of $15,000 to pump and deploy towards product. What's unique about this too is on the wholesale side for our business, we actually guarantee the sell through of the product within 90 days or we will refund the client. So that 15K gets deployed towards product that we know is going to sell well and even a new, a new account. And if it doesn't sell through in 90 days, then we will refund the client and replace the product with something different. That's the minimum working capital. We obviously have clients that come in with 40, 50, 60, 80 grand to, to start. The more you spend, the probably the better discount it's going to be on the product, the higher margin. So cool. So sort of backing off a bit from the, we'll obviously talk about the specifics and we, we've got some of the specifics already from, yeah. you know, how you serve people, but 
just to get a more general picture. So tell me why those numbers end up. So a lot of people are pitched into, a, you know, any business opportunity, including, but not limited to e-commerce with some yeah. YouTube video. And we've all been there. I've been there. I've been pitched into yeah. things at various times, which isn't terrible, but the reality is sometimes different from the pitch, right? So why is the working capital set at 15,000? I think that's more, even if somebody isn't going to work with you in your business. That yeah. Kind of that's that's just honestly it's it's based off of where our data over the last you know multiple years on this on the wholesale front deploying that much money at minimum is going to get the best initial deal on it for an moq from an actual supplier that we have the best ones ones that are no one really can get their hands on and we've negotiated it down and down and down because we want to make sure we can build trust of our investors we're not asking them to drop all this money in the beginning they can get more aggressive as they see the success right but that's actually an internal that's based off internal data from the history of our clients and the history of our purchasing trends with our actual suppliers that we've set in at that. Because if they have less than that, also the way that this works is for building a business out from scratch, the upfront cost, let's say they pay 25K upfront, that's covering infrastructure, payroll, R&D, a lot of the great stuff that has to do with the business and giving us a runway to build the business up, build the car before we drive it. Because obviously it takes time to build a really, really strong business, right? But if we're, our hands are tied and we don't have, if we have $5,000 to work with, you're rocking a 20, 30% margin on $5,000. It's a lot less. And at the end of the day, that, 50, that 25 grand, we, that gives us a runway. But if we're not generating consistent, strong profits for our clients by month six to seven, like strong, strong profits, then we're going to be hemorrhaging money by having them as a client with all of our employees working around their account. So we really rely on the back end profits to drive the relationship past six months. And so. We're handcuffed if they have little capital to deploy into the into the business because that means we make less money and therefore we can't cover our own costs as a management partner. Got it. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash. Yeah. So I guess this, that's a problem for anyone thinking of using a management partner. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit yeah. about the profit margin difference then. If you're investing, say, 5,000 versus 15,000 in, in a set of product lines. And by the way, we also just clarify, so wholesale business model, meaning not that you're developing products and then wholesaling them or selling them as a wholesaler, but you're, you're sourcing them from wholesalers. Is that correct? Ex exactly. Or directly from a manufacturer that okay. actually manufactures a product. We purchase it at wholesale. At wholesale, meaning just in bulk quantity. In bulk right? quantity and lower price per unit. Yeah, got you. Exactly. They, a lot of the wholesalers that you'll find, they, they aren't direct from manufacturer. They've, it's been through maybe one to two different hands prior to them. And so that's licensed on the margin each time. And so what we do is we're skipping around all of that and we're going directly either to the source or to the first supplier that the manufacturer supplies it to, right? Which increases our margin capability. Obviously, the less people that are involved, you know, the higher margin is going to actually be. And so. If we touch on why the margin will change by purchasing, I mean, that's simply that, that, that model that is, is the same thing, whether it's e-commerce or not, right? The more you spend, the more discount you're going to get on things, right? That's just essentially the way it works. That's how historically how it's always worked. The more you're purchasing, the more discount per unit you're going to get. And so that's an old, old model that is still very, 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 very true, right? Yeah. But I do see a big difference from what we've seen specifically with our direct contacts with manufacturers and stuff like that, they won't even think twice about someone with a $5,000 purchase most of the time. Or, and if they do, you're just going to be getting sort of, you know, you're going to be in the 15% margin range on our end. 
as opposed to upwards of 30 to 40% on the 15K up. So there's a monumental difference with the way that we do that when you actually go spend $10,000 more on a bulk batch purchase. Mm-hmm. And that's just based internally, right? This could be different outside if you go to a wholesaler right now that yeah. is public, obviously, yeah. but this is just based on our contacts we've, we've worked with, which is equivalent of, of upwards of 20,000 SKUs and about 3,000 plus suppliers and manufacturers that we've exclusively worked with over the years. Yeah. So what that tells me is you've got a, a solid, okay, it's specific to your business, but you've got a very, quite a big spread of data there. So 20,000 SKUs. And so that margin yeah. difference, even if it's not the same exact percentages for anyone doing wholesale sourcing model, does yeah. give you pause for thought that really, I suppose what you're saying is that the margins are going to be so thin as to be, okay, in your case, they wouldn't even cover your profit margin. But in the case of somebody running their own, starting on a shoestring, they're still going to have things like, you know, presumably a course or a mentor to, to teach in the model. They yeah. might learn it off YouTube, I guess, if they're being really, really thrifty, but then they're still going to have software overheads. They're still going to have to have, you know, yeah. electricity and heating and you got to work somewhere, even if you work from it's home, totally. it's not free. <laughs> so yeah, totally. that's, and yeah. So what, what would you say is, I mean, it's this kind of a, how long is this piece of string question, but what would you say is a minimum gross margin that's going to support even a small business or is that, I don't know if that's. A very good question, but what, what would you say are the sort of minimum margins generally that you would aim at in this sort of business model? I would say 10 per, I'd say 10%. 10% it's is sort probably, of pre-sized right? profit or operating profit, I guess, something like that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, there's just, there's so many, like you can also, if you start out, just to sort of piggyback off this, if you're starting out on your own, like there's just, what we do is we accelerate, we accelerate the the client into the Amazon ecosystem to be extremely competitive in, in within 12 months. But if you're starting out with less capital and on your own, you will have to, you know, a lot of the times endure the fact that you're going to potentially even just break even or have extremely, extremely tiny margins in the beginning simply to get traction on your business and to mature the store, get reviews and just get it algorithmically favored by Amazon, right? That's part of the thing that you'll have to deal with if you have less capital. It's really going down that process. If you're spending $2,000, that's a lot less. Your margins are less. But the, the, the point is, is to really just establish the business and mature it on Amazon, right? And you can't really expedite that if you have less capital. And that's where the benefit is of, of deploying more capital into it, is that you can sort of, you're, while you're doing that, you're also getting, you know, that, that, that really highly competitively priced product that still is pushing a margin of 15% or more, which makes a huge difference, right? So. Okay. Let's talk about the, I suppose, more like my comfort zone slash focus of the podcast, which is the, the more private label slash custom product. So I guess the first thing we should talk about is it sounds like you're already sourcing products that have an existing brand and sales on Amazon, I'm presuming, right? So the next stage is then to go and source something which hasn't got a brand and hasn't got existing sales on Amazon. And the traditional thing would be the pure private label thing, which when I started in 2014 kind of worked. I wouldn't say it was a great business model even then. Um, And then of course, custom products are tweaking and, and changing the design. So do you even bother with sort of pure private label or is that something that you would just not, not work on now? And, and why? It, 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 and could you define exactly what you mean exactly? By That's pure? a good question. So what I mean is that you would take an existing product from a supplier that has no change at all in the design from a product that they'd be selling to other people as well. And you just put your own logo on the product and all the packaging, or you just brand the packaging. Got it. That's going to be, yeah. Okay. That's, that's. Absolutely. Now I know you're talking about. I've just never heard the term pure before, but yeah, I, I think that that's a small portion. It's really going to depend on the circumstance. Honestly, I think that's definitely, definitely not the majority of what we do on the private label side. Again, I will say that the private label business side of my business is, is ran by Jeremy, my business partner. So 
I wish I could pick his brain on a lot of the details here. What I do on that side is I'm actually sourcing the manufacturer context. Like I just came back to Latin America about two weeks ago. I look at Latin America as the new China when it comes down to manufacturing and also trade specifically within North America, which is huge, right? And so we're trying to develop a lot more contacts over there. I develop them, but our his team does all the research and develops the product and also depends on what the client is going to deploy, where their ad spend capability is. Like all these factors play into like, what tier of private label we're really developing. Lower budget could could lean a little bit more towards that because it needs a little bit less research on it involved. I mean, it just, it really does depend. But I will say that we do anything that we know is going to be comfortable, but really we'll, we'll start with where, where the client comes in with their finances and what their vision is, if they even have one on the private label side. But we could take it as far as really developing a brand new product from scratch on top of that too, just based on search trends and algorithms and data that we've pulled. There's a lot of different ways to go about it, but a huge aspect behind it, which you are well aware of, is obviously what you what you have behind it ahead of time in terms of the data of why you're sourcing that and why you're developing that, but really what's your comfort zone in PPC and ad spend to really get it out to market and and you know and, and get it relevancy on the platform. Amazing. Hey folks, thank you for listening to the 10K Collective podcast again. So we today's guest was Will Buster from Ascend Cap Ventures. And I think you should always keep an open mind when you listen to these guests. Now, are you going to go and, you know, hand over several tens of thousands of pounds or dollars uh, or euros to somebody and say, build me an Amazon business. I'll see you in two, three years time. Most likely not in the case of most of our listeners. I have met people like that. who have actually kind of offered me a similar deal and I didn't feel equipped to do it. So I turned them down. So it does exist. And if that's you, you know where to go. So you can go to um, talk to Will at ascendcapventures.com. That's A-S-C-E-N-D, cap, C-A-P, ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S for sugar.com. And you can set up a conversation with Will or his crew. So if that's you, you know what to do. But the rest of us, I think, can reflect on this. First of all, the amount of capital that is needed to actually get decent margins in a wholesale type sourcing business is possibly more than you might want. And I think as uh, Will said, a bit of a reality check that it's just a standard thing. If you pay for more, um, a bigger quantity of stuff, you get a better unit price. And that's pretty standard. Obviously, one meta learning from this could be that you might want to find somebody else other than uh, Ascend Cap Ventures, if you wish, who can um, buy in bulk and negotiate uh, special deals with suppliers. And then you get to benefit from the unit price as well. That's obviously not easy to find. So you may end up going back to Ascend Cap Ventures. And I think the um, pure private label, as it were, versus um, other things um, such as uh, you know wholesale sourcing are worth bearing in mind, particularly if you want to start a business or a new line of business or unit business model that spins up quickly. Private label or custom product development certainly is not quick. And wholesale type sourcing is one that's worth considering. So there are a few sort of reality checks today from Will about that. Um, they've got a very specific model. Um, it is also a reminder that people will just invest money if they haven't to spare in um, the skill set of somebody who can run an Amazon business. So yeah, I guess you might even want to consider doing a bit of a um, Ascend Cap Ventures yourself and taking some money from people and selling their Amazon businesses. But that is something that requires deep expertise. Uh, I would not be in a hurry to do that. <laughs> it may be that you you know, know everything we've talked about today, in which case I would encourage you still to listen in the next episode where we interview Will to his expertise in sourcing, because he's been sourcing from Latin America, which is very, very interesting. 
he has pretty deep connections there. So I think you'll find that even if you're a died in the wool, I'm going to own my business till I die. I'm never going to get somebody else bit, build it for me kind of person. You're going to find that episode very useful. Again, if you want to get hold of Will or explore what they're doing, go to ascendcapventures.com. That's ascendcapventures.com. And you can book in a call with Will or just check out what they're doing. Thanks very much for listening and speak to you in the next show. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.